What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. Michael Jackson goes down in history as the king of pop music, one of the most significant cultural icons of the 20th century and the second most famous human being of all time. The only person he could not outfame was the Lord Jesus himself. He left his mark in this world with over a four-decade career, influencing his craft through music, dance, and fashion. The moonwalk and the robot were his signature moves on the dance floor. His unique choices of attire and clothing made him absolutely unforgettable. And his untouchable singing voice allowed him to soar high in all of the billboard charts. He became, which you already know, one of the most best-selling music artists of all time with an estimated sales of over 400 million records worldwide. And if you just take 400 million times $10, you got yourself a few dollars in your account. Very wealthy man. You know, it's interesting, even today, you can go on Spotify If you don't know what Spotify is, I'll explain it to you after with the service. But you can go on Spotify and search his name, and almost 36 million people still listen to him on a monthly, regular basis. Now, with all that success comes a lot of expectation for his children, which we know he had three children. But what we do also know is that each of his three children never quite measured up to the level of success, fame, and fortune that he had in his life. For example, his daughter Paris, who is actually famous, more famous than any of us probably will ever be, and more successful than any of us, she is a musician. But what's interesting is Michael Jackson to this day on Spotify has over 36 million uh, monthly listeners, but, but, but his daughter Paris has 140,000. Now, granted, to me and you, that would be a ton of people listening to our music, but compared to this great man, Michael Jackson, it just doesn't compare. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, what in the world does this have to do with the life of Isaac? Well, it actually has a lot of parallels here. Because somebody once described Isaac as, they said this, they said, Isaac was an ordinary son, of an extraordinary father, and an ordinary father of an extraordinary son. Isaac was just like an average guy. Isaac was kind of like you and me. It's interesting, the book of Genesis is divided into two major sections. You have the first 11 chapters that, that focus in on four events, creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. And then chapters 12 through 50 focuses on four key people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. But what's interesting is in those four characters, Abraham, Jacob, and Joseph are given about 12 chapters apiece, and little old Isaac is only given a handful. So today, I know that that as we come to Hebrews chapter 11, 
It's interesting, out of all these patriarchs, out of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, if you will, the shortest amount of words and attention is given to Isaac. So what could we learn about faith from this man, Isaac, who has only one sentence in Hebrews chapter 11? Well, I submit to you today that from the faith of Isaac, which is the title of my message today, the faith of Isaac, we can learn a lot. And the specific thing that I think we can learn is this key thought. Faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans. I believe that as we analyze verse 20, and as we're going to go back into the book of Genesis and see a little bit more of the details of Isaac's life, we are going to discover, we are going to go into a cavern and into a cave, and with our flashlights, we are going to shine the light upon this thought that faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans. Now, with that being said, I know you're probably asking, how exactly does faith surrender to God's plan? Well, I'm glad you asked today. Because in Isaac's life, which, which is interesting, Isaac is, is first mentioned in chapters 17 and 18. And it's only a prediction about how he would come. And then we see he is born in chapter 21. He is Uh, put on an altar in chapter 22, and then in chapters 25, 6, and 7, he's given some attention, and then not really until chapter 35, in his death, he's given a little bit more attention. Now, it's interesting, as you begin to study scripture, you go throughout all the Old Testament, you go into the New Testament, and you'll see that the phrase, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is mentioned. And so you can't really mention that phrase without mentioning Isaac, but Isaac is kind of sandwiched in between these two massive successful people, Abraham his father and Jacob his son. And I think Isaac's life is is reiterating this thought that if we want faith to conquer this world, we've got to surrender our life to the very plans of God. So with that said, I want to draw your attention, not first of all to Hebrews chapter 11, but I want us to go back to Genesis chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles there, the first thought I want to share with you from back in Genesis is faith surrenders. How does, this, how does faith surrender to God's plans? Faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans by humbly learning from the past. Faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans by humbly learning from the past. Somebody once said that the past is, when we learn from the past, it's it's like failing forward. That mistakes are really just lessons in disguise that prepare us for the future. And I agree with that. But in the case of Isaac... I think it's very interesting that we can look into the past. I think the present in which Hebrews 11 verse 20 is mentioning is chapter 27 of Genesis, which we'll get to. So the past leading up to that is in Genesis chapter 17. And in Genesis chapter 17, we have a time when when God is having a conversation with Abraham. And in verse number 19 of Genesis chapter 17... Look at this verse. It says, God said, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son indeed, and you are going to call his name, say it with me, Isaac. Say it again, Isaac. Check it out now. And I 
will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So check it out now. Not a whole lot is mentioned about Isaac in in the Bible, but what is mentioned is very profound. The fact that God is going to carry this promise that he gave to Abraham to his son. And not a lot will be mentioned about his son, but the fact that Isaac will remain true and steadfast to God's faithful promises and plans is a lesson for us today that we will surrender to the sovereign plans of God. In Genesis chapter 18, we see this scene in Abraham's life where these three visitors, which I believe they were, they were two angelic beings and one is a Christophany or a bodily manifestation of Christ before his birth in Bethlehem. We can talk about that after the service, if you'd like. But in this setting, Abraham sends his wife to go to the kitchen to make some food. And, and this one is speaking and begins to say that your wife is going to give birth. And you know the story. She begins to laugh and, and just laugh at this because she's, she's not in her 20s anymore or her 30s or 40s. She's, she's an older woman now, and she can't get it in her mind, the idea of having a child. I mean, imagine if you're 65 plus here today, could you imagine having a child at your age? God bless us all with that process. In Genesis 19 and Genesis 28, Isaac is kind of silenced. But, but in chapter 19 of, uh, excuse me, in chapter 18, we see that, that God reaffirms this promise to not just Abraham, but also to Sarah about having a son. And remember, the promise was threefold. God's plan was he was going to give Abraham a son, which would give him a big nation, which would also give him a land to put the nation in. It was a threefold promise. And Isaac, every time Isaac walked and lived for these 180 years that he lived, it was literally, he was literally living out the faithful promises of God, part one of the three that he gave to his father Abraham. But 19 and 20 of the book of Genesis doesn't have a whole lot to say about that scene. It's other things going on in Abraham's life. But then in chapter 21, look at this. Look at this. Chapter 21, the first part, the Bible says that Sarah was visited by the Lord, by this Jehovah God, this the God of Israel. And as God spoke, he delivered. And I just want to tell you something today. I, I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you order from Amazon or where you order your packages from. But just as that Amazon delivery man or FedEx or UPS comes and lays that package on your front porch or in your mailbox, God delivers his promises far greater than Amazon, the FedEx, UPS, and the postal service. God has a plan. And the sovereign God always comes through with his promises. So chapter 21 is all about this young little baby Isaac being born. And a lot's not mentioned in his early years. Now in chapter 22, you know this story. We talked about it the other week, but I've read as as, as young as 13 or 14 when Isaac was laid at that altar, and I've read as old as in his mid-20s. The truth is we don't know the exact age, but he was a young man. And so there, chapter 22, is really less about Isaac, and it's more about the faith of Abraham. And so Isaac is placed in that altar as a young man. And there, God spares him and allows him to live. Chapter 23 of Genesis is really about his mother and her tragic death. Reminding us that every life will ultimately come to an end. And we should teach ourselves to number our days. And it is interesting that 
that Abraham, the only purchase he made concerning land was the burial place for his wife, Sarah. And we are told that Abraham, when he died, left everything to Isaac. So he left his cattle, he left his tents, and he left this land where his mom was buried. And so as you could very well be aware of, that through the process of grief, it does leave one unhappy and sad, and at times a little bitter. And so Abraham probably looked out and saw that his son Isaac was going through this massive amount of grief over his mother and decided that it was time for Isaac to get married. Now keep in mind, Isaac was in his upper 30s when his mother died. And in Genesis chapter 24, we read that, that Abraham, again, more or less about Abraham's faith and a little about Isaac. Abraham sends his servant out to go to this land of his relative Laban and there to find this woman. And you know the stories. I'm not going to I'm going to spare us all the major details, but this servant goes to this well and he asks water from this woman and that water would also give him water and give his camels water and then he went then the woman took him back to the house and then he had this conversation with the one in charge and there she agrees to come and marry Isaac. And so Genesis chapter 24 tells us this amazing love story of this Isaac and Rebekah. And the Bible says that, that in chapter 24, verse 67, the last verse, that this woman brought great comfort to Isaac after his mom died. Now, up until this point, we've seen Isaac is mentioned in chapter 17 and 18. We've seen he's placed on an altar in chapter 22. And we see his father sends out his servant to go find a wife for Isaac. And not a lot's told. So, now in chapter 25, we get into some more of the juicy details of his story. And it's really not even that juicy. It just tells us about his son. And really, chapter 25, if you will, is, is, is less about Isaac and more about his wife, Rebecca. About how God visits Rebecca and says, in your womb, there are two nations. And we know that Jacob will be born and would, would be the kind of one to be changed from Jacob to Israel and literally be the one who would be the one who would give birth to the 12 tribes of Israel. Then you have Esau, which would be the father of the Edomites or Edom. And so we see this taking place here in chapter 25. And then Jacob, again, listen, he, in this chapter, we, we see Isaac is mentioned, but the focus is less about him and more about his wife and his two sons. About how hey, they have this little debate about some pottage, or as one preacher said, about a bowl of oatmeal. Or as I will say, out of a bowl of Cheerios. And so Jacob gets the birthright from Esau. Esau was slightly older. And you know the, the Old Testament law, that the oldest would give the way to the inheritance. And so Jacob deceives him for this pottage of lentils, and there they have it. Chapter 26. Finally, finally, a story about Isaac. There's a famine which was kind of relatively uh, customary in that time. And here they are, journeying to a place of Gerar. And this one Abimelech there is ruling over there and says, this woman, who is she? And what does Isaac do? He does exactly what his father did. He says, she's my sister. 
Isaac, if you will, was afraid that he would die and they would take his wife to be their wife because she apparently was a very beautiful woman. And so God visits Abimelech and, and, and reveals him to this matter. And, and, and the Bible says, in fact, verse 24, it says, The Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for thy servant, for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built it here. Isaac is building this altar. But, but we know earlier in the chapter that God visited Abimelech and they got all the details squared away. Nothing bad happened. And then Isaac here kind of shares a little bit of his faith to God. And finally, we see him building an altar in verse 25 of Genesis 26. So, Isaac was born. He was teenagers or his early 20s when, when he was laid on the altar. He was around 30 or excuse me, he was around 40 when, when he, he was 40 years old when he got married. He was around 60 years age when his sons were born. And that really brings us up to the point of where we look to his past here from what Hebrews is saying. Now, I'm sure you've heard this story a million of times, and maybe you're here today and you've never heard this story. But what's the lesson for us in this section? I think it's this. Faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans by humbly learning from the past. What can we learn from the past here? Well, we can learn from this past that deception is really not, it's not something to be a part of the Christian life. What we can learn here is lying is not something that should be a part of the Christian life. And so we can learn from Isaac's past mistakes so we can better prepare for our future in this Christian journey. How else does faith surrender to God's sovereign plans? Not just humbly learning from the past. Now, I will say this, when you look into the past and you analyze your own self and you try to learn from your own mistakes, it is very humbling because you realize, you know, I'm not as good as I thought I was. You know, I'm not as great as I thought I was. But now, secondly today, how does faith surrender to the sovereign plans of God? Secondly, faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans by holily living in the present Faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans by holily living in the present. In Genesis chapter 27, Isaac is now 130 years old. Now, I know you're probably having a hard time with these ages. I get it. But we can talk about it afterwards. But I will say that there are people today that I, that I have come to, not to meet personally, but I have been, I have seen that there are people in this world today, kind of in Asia and the Middle Eastern region, who do live a lot longer than we live here in America. And it is very possible for people to live far beyond the year of 100 with the right genetics and with the right um, dietary needs and taking care of their bodies. But here, we know this was shortly after the flood and they were still living a little bit longer than we live today. And now we see that he's 130 years old and the Bible says that he was old and his eyes were dim he couldn't see that well and you know the story between Jacob and Esau and I guess these two brothers have always been at odds and enemies and in this chapter J Jacob and Esau are going to come to their father but first Isaac has a conversation with Esau I guess remember Isaac was a, a, a very excuse me Jacob was a very smooth man he didn't have a lot of hair but Esau was a very hairy man and I guess Esau was a man's man, and Jacob, not so much. 
Esau was a daddy's boy, and Jacob was a mama's baby. I guess you could say that. But here, so Jacob obviously, excuse me, Isaac favored Esau, and Rebekah favored Jacob. It's obvious in this chapter. It's obvious when you read this story, we see that, that these parents favored their sons. And, and so Isaac and Esau have this conversation. And he says, my son, why don't you go out into the woods and get some meat and bring it back to me, and then, and then I will, will give you your blessing. And so Rebecca overhears this, and in verse 6 down to verse 17, we read about this and how she goes to find Jacob and says, Hey, Jacob, um, your father is going to, to give your son the blessing, but remember, God spoke to me many years ago about how there were two nations in my belly, and one was going to be of the Edomites, and one was going to be of the Israelites, and you're the one of the Israelites, and so, so, so you need to go out, and you, I'm filling in the blanks here, and he, he's, you need to go out, and you need to get this food, and I will prepare it the way your father likes it, and he says, well, well, well I'm not a genius mom, I'm not a genius mom, but, but I don't have hair like my brother, have you noticed? I don't have hair, so I guess, I don't know if it was a, what kind of animal they got, but they got some animal hair and put it on them to deceive Isaac. And so, the story goes, which you know, Isaac is like, well, you got the voice of Jacob, but you got the hands of Esau. His eyes were no longer able to see, so he had only his feeling to trust. And so there he blesses this one Named Jacob. Shortly after the meal and the blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob, Esau comes in and man, he had a meal. And he says, Dad, I'm home and I got what you want. One problem. I thought you're already here. Who is this one that came beforehand? And then it all, the light bulb went on and, and he realized that it was your brother. And then, and then he, he says, well, well, my father, please, please bless me, my father. Give me a blessing. But you know where I see holiness in this chapter? I see holiness in the fact that, that even after Esau is trying to persuade his father of what he wants him to do, he did not budge and he went with the plans of God here, but he still blessed him. Now notice, in verses 41 through 46, we see that, that Esau, after the math of all this took place, and listen, Isaac did bless both of them, as Hebrews says in this chapter. But Esau hated his brother for it. And he says here that I will kill my brother once my father is gone. And so his parents send Jacob away into the beginning of chapter 28. And then the next several chapters is all about Jacob going and finding his wife. Now, I want to pause here and just say that as I think about the holiness of, of Isaac, I think about how he, he wouldn't budge here as, as the writer of Hebrews, it, it, we're going to look at here in a few moments, he wouldn't budge in this aspect that, that he believed in God's sovereign plan and God spoke to him about how he, through him this, this lineage would, 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 would go on and, and the Messiah would come and you'll have this big nation and you'll have this land. He didn't see it all, but he believed it all. And he would not budge here even though Esau was trying. But then also, what I also observe about his life is that Abraham 
had multiple wives at the same time, which we would call him a polygamist. And so did Jacob. God's plan for marriage has always been between one man and one woman. It has never been one woman to have 500 men and one man to have 3,000 women. It was never meant to be that way or a handful for each one. It was meant for one man, one woman, and preferably for life. And here we see that that taking place through Isaac. So we should at least honor him for that. So I wonder today, as we think about this man, Isaac, although a lot's not said, and although he did make mistakes, I think the, 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 the purpose and, and, and motivation of his life was his life was pointing to God, and he was seeking as a whole to live his life for God, and that should be our testimony today. That the standpoint that we surrender to God's sovereign plans for our life. Thirdly, may I take you back to Hebrews chapter 11? Now that you have the backstory, now that you are reminded or just learning for the very first time of all that went on with, with Isaac blessing his sons Jacob and Esau, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, it says, By faith, notice here, you study his life and you're like, Whoa. <laughs> What? Isaac had faith? Really? Yes, he did. He had faith to receive this promise that, his, that God gave to Abraham, that Abraham gave to his son, and God reaffirmed to Isaac. He had faith to believe it. So it's interesting here. The word blessed is the same where we get the word eulogy from. It's this idea at the end of somebody's life, we're going to speak well of them, not evil of them, or not ill of them. But here, this idea of a blessing it's more than just blessing somebody with good words. This was like a prophetic blessing that God, through Isaac, was giving to Jacob and his son, Esau. And so thirdly and finally, faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans, not just by holy living in the present, and not just by humbly learning from the past, but thirdly, by hastily looking to the future. Faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans by hastily looking to the future. And we see that, that in this moment in Genesis chapter 27 and beyond, Isaac is now looking beyond his own life. Isaac was early teens, mid-20s somewhere when he was placed in that altar. He was 40 years old when he got married. He was 60 years old when his two sons were born. He was 130 years old when he blessed Esau and Jacob as written in chapter 11, verse 20 of Hebrews. But my friends, he was 180 when he died. So imagine here, 50 years, 50 years approximately from when Jacob is sent and Esau is just boiling with hatred towards his brother. Time can change a lot because as we'll see when they come back together, they've kind of forgotten the ill will between one another. But now, if you would, I just want to take you back to really the, the final sayings of Isaac in the Bible here, outside of what the New Testament authors or some of the other writers said, but it's in Genesis chapter 35. And it's three verses here. Jacob returns after 50 years, if you will, approximately. And he says, 
The Bible says, And Jacob came to Isaac, his father, unto Mamre, unto the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were in hundred and fourscore years. In other words, 180. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons, check it out now, Esau and Jacob buried him. They settled their differences and they moved on. I like what one commentator said. They said this. Like his father Abraham, Isaac believed God and manifested that faith by passing on his blessing to Jacob and Esau and through that blessing to succeeding generations. In this way, he showed faith that his own death would not cancel out the promises of God. Now, there's more to this story than just Isaac being born, a land being promised, and a mighty nation coming in the future. Because we know that in that territory of land, in that real estate, and from that nation, and through this lineage, one would be born that could be able to unify all cultures, not just brothers of the same blood who are at war with each other, who could unify all nationalities and all ethnicities all through the message of the Messiah. And my friends today, the good news is if there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither rich nor poor, there's neither male nor female within the eyes of God. If we're in Christ, we are all one body. And today, As we think about the book of Galatians that Paul was writing, he begins to go back and talk about Abraham and Isaac and these different things and how we are beneficiaries of the promise and we inherit the promise that God gave to Abraham. Now now, now, now listen, you got to understand, Isaac, according to the law, was to give this birthright to Esau the oldest. But that wasn't God's plan. God allowed these events to take place so that God could work and so that God's plan could be made. Not through Edom, but through Jacob and Israel. And today, I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are in this faith journey. I don't know if you're, you're at the, the very edge of the cliff about to jump in or if you're way, way back. or where, I don't know if you're in or not. But I am here to tell you something, that God has given us promises and his plans will come to pass. And you've got to surrender to what he has said. You know, during high school in Franklin County was, was really the time when I surrendered to the call of salvation. I, I heard the message of the gospel. It was, it was thundered to me every Sunday and Wednesday when I was there in the church in Boone's Mill and, and when I would go to these special events for youth and, and all these different things. But, but it was not until at camp when, when, when I received that call and I accepted it. But then my senior year of high school, I was listening to an evangelist. I don't remember if it was on YouTube or if it was on a DVD, but it was at my parents' house, and I'll tell you, it was in this one room we call the bear room. Yeah. You say, why is the bear room? Well, it's because my dad was a man's man and killed bear. Yeah. I'm not the man's man, obviously. I did kill a squirrel and a deer, though, so that counts for something. But I remember listening to this evangelist and he's there preaching and he's talking about how he was there at this fair, at this campground, and he was bringing these ones who wanted to learn more about Jesus into this tent to to talk to somebody else, to pray with them to receive Christ. And when he brings this one in there, there was nobody there. So he had to sit down and walk through the gospel track and the literature. 
and led that person through the plan of salvation and pray with them. And as that person left, the evangelist was sharing how he knelt down beside that chair and said, God, I don't know what you would have for me to do with the rest of my life, but I just want to serve you. And I don't know what it was about that message. I don't know what it was about that man or that preacher or that evangelist. But God was speaking through him to me. And there as a 16, 17-year-old young man, I knelt down there in the bedroom, the bare room of my parents' house. And I said, God, I don't know the plans you have for me, but I'm surrendering to your plans today. I don't know where you are, but I want to tell you this. Faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans. Have you surrendered to the plans of God for your life? Well, if you do, it'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make. But if you reject it and refuse to, it'll be the worst decision that you'll make in your life. And that will give a ripple effect to consequences that will come your way in your life, all because you failed to surrender. I wonder, are you hastily looking to the future? That one day you will walk through the doorway of death and, and, and this life will soon come to pass, but only with some for Christ is going to last. I wonder, are you living in light of eternity? Are you living in life in light of that, that you should be living like Jesus? And are you humbly learning from the mistakes you've made in your past? Faith surrenders to God's sovereign plans. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.